This is AgriPulse Open Mic. I'm your host, Jeff Daly. Our guest this week is Kerry Calvert, Managing Director of Government Relations for Feeding America. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Global sugar subsidies are increasing at a threat to 142,000 sugar industry jobs in the U.S. Learn more about the American Sugar Alliance Zero for Zero Sugar Policy at SugarAlliance.org. AgriPulse Open Mic continues with Feeding America's Kerry Calvert next. Sugar subsidies in 120 countries are on the rise and threatening 142,000 U.S. jobs. That's why the American Sugar Alliance is pushing for a global subsidy ceasefire. Their goal is a subsidy-free world market that fosters efficiency. And they know that unilateral disarmament of America's no-cost policy without concessions from abroad will only outsource U.S. jobs and reward foreign subsidizers. The plan is called the Zero for Zero Sugar Policy. And you can learn more at SugarAlliance.org. This is AgriPulse Open Mic. The nation's food and nutrition policy has been at the core of debate over a new farm bill. The latest data suggests over 12% of the 326 million people living in the United States is food insecure. Kerry Calvert with Feeding America says at its peak, more than 50 million people were food insecure during the recession. That number has been dropping steadily since then. According to USDA and the food insecurity data released in September 2018, around 40 million Americans are food insecure every year. However, that number is still above pre-recession levels, and it's very surprising to see and hear that 40 million Americans are food insecure when we also hear that unemployment has returned to pre-recession levels and that there are jobs nationwide. So... One of our jobs and our roles at Feeding America and at our member food banks is to educate the country about what food insecurity means and that it is possible to to work full-time and still be food insecure. It's a challenge from the mindset of agriculture to look at such a surplus that we have in commodities today and to have touted and to suggest that we are the best-fed nation on the planet and yet we still talk about increasing numbers of hungry Americans and especially food insecure children. It is a challenge, and I think it's easier to understand when you think of the fact that America doesn't have a food production challenge. We have a a food connection challenge. We have a challenge getting all of the nutritious food that we produce in this country onto the plates of everyone that needs it. It's really about connecting the food that we have with the people we know that we need it. So talk about the success of Feeding America. Can you give an example of an area that you were able to come in and you may not have solved the whole hunger issue in a particular area, but you know you're having an impact? I think one of the areas that really has had significant success is uh, the amount of retail food donation. Around 15 years ago, Feeding America started a pilot with a lot of nationwide food retailers to capture nutritious food that wasn't going to be sold and make sure it was donated to food banks. And it was a different food rescue model than we had done before. And so it took some time to scale up. But now 
Food donations from retail partners are our largest single stream of food donations, and it really has become an industry best practice and uh, extremely common for national, regional, and local retailers to partner with food banks and other food pantries to make sure that nutritious food that won't be sold is donated instead of dumped in a landfill. That has been a significant success. I noted from AgriPulse and their exhaustive look this past week in terms of food waste that food is the largest material going into our landfills and that in 2010 the Economic Research Service says we're wasting between 30 and 40 percent of the total food supply in the country. That is a huge volume going to waste. It really is. And I think one of the things that's hard for people to understand is why this happens. And it's really coming from a variety of sources. Consumer food waste does make up quite a a large amount. And I think there's a lot that can be done by all of us to educate consumers on what food labels mean. Is this expired? Is this just a food quality date? Is this a safety date and this food is bad, Um, et cetera. And I think that has implications for for all consumers, but particularly low-income consumers that really need to make their food dollars stretch. But there are lots of other reasons why food may be lost upon the way, whether it's at a consumer-facing establishment or maybe it's crops that can't be harvested because there's a lack of market or it might be at food manufacturers or processors. So our mission is how can we examine why food is being wasted in the system and is there a way to rescue it that's cost-effective and something that we can replicate nationwide. Another factoid for the AgriPulse article, consumers, businesses, and farms spending $218 billion or 1.3% of the gross domestic product growing, processing, transporting, and disposing of food that's never eaten. Yours and other organizations basically starving for dollars and trying to get food in the in the mouths of hungry people and looking at that figure, such a tremendous waste. It really is such a large amount of both resources, both commodity resources, the human capital and labor, and the monetary resources that are wasted. The challenge really is to dive in and pick apart what's being wasted and where and how we can invest to find a solution. Are you finding support from commodity organizations or farmers in your cause? Definitely. We have long understood that our nation's growers and producers are some of the biggest supporters in connecting the food that they grow with people that need it. They participate both nationally with Feeding America, but really those partnerships are are strengthened at the the local and the state level where they're actively engaged in supporting their community, particularly on the issue of food waste. I hate to call it food waste, although I know that's the accepted term. Excess food doesn't have quite the ring to it, but we know that there are lots of reasons why a grower might have food that doesn't make it to a retail outlet, but it doesn't mean the food is wasted per se. They might plow it under for soil amendment or it might be used as animal feed. And we know that they are working hard to make sure that food is used for the highest purpose that it can be. You know, if it's safe to donate and they can capture it and donate it, they will. Um, Otherwise, maybe it's used for animal feed or it's composted, et cetera. One of the things that we realize but that consumers might not is that it costs money to implement 
a food donation program to reduce food waste. It can cost money for a grower to harvest food that doesn't have a buyer and donate it. And so uh, one of the things we try to do is establish partnerships or support um, federal or state policies that help enable that additional food donation and food rescue. Inside Farm Policy, there is a proposal in the House Farm Bill that would create a food waste liaison with the Department of Agriculture. I think that's an interesting idea and one that I think has merit. We've seen that USDA over the last five or six years has really increased their engagement and their resources to combat food waste. And certainly Secretary Purdue has continued that focus as well. We were very pleased to see the agreement signed between USDA, EPA, and FDA and think that holds a lot of promise to promote intergovernmental cooperation. And certainly establishing a liaison role at USDA uh, would really only strengthen that work. Also inside the Senate version of the Farm Bill, there is a, a revamping of the milk donation program. Certainly no shortage of uh, dairy products here in the U.S. today. There is no shortage of dairy products being produced, but where there is a shortage is in the diets of low-income Americans. Feeding America really struggles to have enough fluid milk in particular, but nutritious dairy across the board donated and provided to the community members that we're serving. We've partnered with the dairy industry for quite a few years now to raise awareness of this and to work on partnerships that can connect additional milk and dairy to the communities that we're serving. So we're very excited to see that provision in the Smith Farm Bill. We think that it can really help provide additional resources and strengthen a lot of these programs and partnerships that are already there. The Department of Agriculture implementing the Trump administration's plan to help farmers cope with this period of time where trade retaliation has come to bear. And a portion of that $12 billion that was allocated by the administration was buying surplus food. Has that begun and how is it affecting Feeding America and other food banks in the country? So as part of the trade mitigation program, USDA has announced that uh, up to $1.2 billion could be used to purchase food that doesn't have a market due to trade issues, and that food would be distributed through USDA food distribution programs nationwide. A lot of it is destined to be distributed through the emergency food assistance program that a number of our food banks distribute food through. So Feeding America has been working with uh, USDA and with industry partners to make sure that the food purchases are going to be a success. While we're not happy that there's, you know, a, a need for a program like this, a silver lining is that we know that nutritious food is going to be connected with people nationwide that really need it. You know, this is high-quality food, really nutritious, protein items, grains, beans, fruits and vegetables, dairy, and we know that it will be highly sought after by the people that we're serving. Is there a need for a program like that to continue? So I can't speak to the need on the trade side or the the supply and demand of U.S. commodities, but the Emergency Food Assistance Program, or as it's known 
its acronym is TFAP, was founded in the early 1980s as a way to connect surplus government cheese that had been purchased during another trade issue and distribute it through food banks and pantries nationwide. Since then, that program has grown and has funding provided through the Farm Bill to regularly purchase pantry staples, fruits and vegetables, and things like that to distribute through food banks nationwide. It's definitely a, a key part of how food banks can help address need in their community. And with 40 million Americans that are food insecure, we can find a home for the food as long as the additional purchases continue. You've given us a scope of the hunger issue in the country and the food security issue, and easily one of the biggest debates during uh, this work over a 2018 Farm Bill has been over nutrition and the idea that work requirements either A, need to be enforced or need to be heightened in a new Farm Bill with regard to policy. How do you see those changes? How would that affect hunger in the country? How would that affect the load that you bear? Certainly, if any changes were made in a farm bill that would restrict access to federal nutrition programs, our food banks would see higher demand for their services nationwide. We analyzed last year the total amount of meals provided by Feeding America and the total amount of food that was provided through the largest federal nutrition program, SNAP, or the Supplemental Nutrition Assistance Program. And with everything that Feeding America does, the 4 billion meals we provide every year is one-twelfth the size of the SNAP program. So keeping that ratio in mind, we know that there's no way that we can make up for cuts to federal nutrition programs like SNAP. There are a lot of reasons why it can be challenging for individuals to find work and to maintain that work. And we support investing in robust employment and training programs and measuring what's most successful, scaling those up rather than taking an approach that says, if you're not working, we need to take away access to food assistance. Let's talk about opportunity. Uh, Certainly, uh, Feeding America has a, a yeoman's role across the country in working for food security and hunger issues. What are the things that people can do, commodity organizations and others that are listening now? How can they help your cause? Well, a lot of them are already so ingrained in this work that um, it's really been a a great assistance to us, whether it's state-level farm bureaus or farmers unions or state ag departments. Individual commodity groups have been a significant source of support for us as well. And I would say, you know, you can go to feedingamerica.org. You can find the food banks in your in your state or community. But I'd say reach out to us either at the national or the state and local level. Form a partnership with us if you haven't already, uh, whether it's uh, educating your members on how they can volunteer in the community. And I imagine most of them probably already are. But if they're not, we're happy to talk about you know, broad volunteer engagement opportunities, food donation opportunities. There's really so many ways that we can work with those that are producing our nation's food because we know that they're so committed to making sure the food they're growing and producing is 
getting to those that really need it. Sometimes you find individuals who accept a role in leadership that can make a difference, and I draw to attention Ryan Quarles, who was elected as Ag Commissioner in the state of Kentucky, and hunger was one of his issues. Uh, he didn't come up with uh, a magic way to produce more food, but he was able and has been able to connect the dots within his own state and have made a difference in the Hungary and that Commonwealth. He really has. So Kentucky has established a farm-to-food bank program, and there are certainly other states that have done this as well. But one of the things that Commissioner Quarles has brought to this is you know, a real personal commitment and, and passion to making this work. He took a look at the amount of food that's produced in his state that doesn't have a market where it's being sold and is excess every year and talked to our food banks and asked, how can we connect you with this food? What's going to work? And you know, he really helped strengthen the funding that the state of Kentucky provides for their farm-to-food bank program and brought our food banks and growers and producers in Kentucky together to strengthen this program. And that just shows how committed individual at the right position at the right time can lead to a, a skyrocketing impact of a program that's already there. He was able to take something that was that had just been started and really significantly grow the impact of that program through his work. So, Carrie, now you have a stump that uh, is reaching well inside the Beltway, and whether it be bureaucracy or whether it be legislators, what does Feeding America and what do the nation's food banks and those who are attempting to attack hunger and food insecurity, what do you need from Washington? I would say one of the things that we focus on is really education and awareness. At a broad level, we really need members of Congress to understand what hunger looks like in their community, the fact that it's there, and the impact that different federal and state policies have on hunger and the ability to reduce it. At a more specific level, we really need Washington to come together and pass a bipartisan farm bill that strengthens federal nutrition programs, provides certainty for those programs, and also provides certainty for rural communities that are struggling and for growers that need certainty. We understand the unique combination of support that it takes to pass a farm bill. Most farm bills are passed on a bipartisan basis, and uh, we hope this one can be as well. I know that D.C. has a lot to get done over uh, the next few weeks, and we're hoping that a bipartisan farm bill is one of them. Well, Kerry Calvert, we want to thank you very much, and we, we certainly respect the hard work that is being done by Feeding America and all of your volunteers and those who work with you for you taking time to spend with us here on this edition of Open Mic. Kerry, it is Open Mic, and you have the last word. Thanks so much for having me on today, Jeff. Uh, we really appreciate the opportunity to be on. One of the things I want to, to leave you with is an example of how our combined work as a nonprofit uh, work with our nation's producers and work with the federal government can make a real difference. Um, since the, the trade mitigation purchases were announced, uh, USDA has been such a steadfast partner of ours in uh, thinking through how this large amount of food can be distributed through the food banks, what's needed, um, working through industry partners to make sure that the food that's purchased is in the right size and quantity for food banks, and we've really appreciated their partnership and their commitment to 
um, providing additional funding to make sure that food banks are able to accept that food. I think it's a it's a shining example of the positive that can happen when uh, the public, the private, and the nonprofit sector come together. Our thanks to Carrie Calvert, Managing Director of Government Relations with Feeding America, our guest this week on Open Mic. AgriPulse Open Mic is brought to you by the American Sugar Alliance. Global sugar subsidies are increasing at a threat to 142,000 sugar industry jobs in the U.S. Learn more about the American Sugar Alliance Zero for Zero Sugar Policy at SugarAlliance.org. For AgriPulse, I'm Jeff Nally.